weakest tribe of the 12 tribes. God, God says, yeah, I, I realize that. Gideon said, do you realize that I'm from the weakest family of the weakest tribe of all the 12? And God said, yes, I realize. It. Well, God, wait, wait, wait. Do you realize that I'm the weakest male in my family? That's the weakest family of the weakest tribe. And God said, yes. You see, God can use you. He can use anybody. He can even use Gideon. And you know the rest of the story. God called the champion out in Gideon. And with God in Gideon, Israel defeated the Midianites. Some of us here are Gideons. Some of us here don't think God can use them. I promise you, he can and he will. And so, I want to, uh, if I could, one of the issues that we have, Lonnie didn't talk, I, I, uh, one of my odd jobs is I'm a state legislator. And um, I think everybody should serve. I never had a chance to serve my country, and so I wanted to serve. And uh, I put my name on a ballot four years ago, and I've served in the state house along with my day job in Birmingham as a commercial developer. I think everybody should serve, whether it's the school board, county board, city council, I don't care what it is. I think everybody ought to serve, and that's what I've done. And what I've realized by doing that is I realized that there's, we live in a pretty sick country. 40% of every home in this county and in Tuscaloosa County and in other, state, uh, other counties in our state, 40% of every home, young people wake up without a dad. Okay? Think about that. 50%, it's over 50% of every home now that's in a marriage is broken. You know, Satan is having a field day. Okay? And, and, and so I just want to teach, if we don't, you won't remember anything else. You won't remember my name, but it's okay. But I do want you to remember how to fight. And that's really the reason I came. Lonnie invited me, and if you don't remember anything else, I want to teach us how to fight, okay? Fair enough? Everybody in? We good? Okay. It's called hupo tasso. Has anybody ever heard that word before? Huh? Say it. Ready? Hupo tasso. Oh, we got to do better than that. Ready? Hupo tasso. It's a Greek term for proper military alignment. You got it? Proper. Anybody ever seen the movie 300? Thank you. Some testosterone in here. Good. All right. I appreciate that. Come on, guys. Huh. Come on. We need, every man ought to have Braveheart, 300, Saving Private Ryan. I'm just saying, okay? You agree, Lonnie? Yes. So get it. Wives, buy it for your husbands. Listen, the movie 300. Okay, look. Who had it? Raise your hand again. Who saw it? Thank you. Do you remember when the Persians, thousands of Persians, were attacking the Spartans, the 300 Spartans. Remember what the, the Spart remember what the Spartans did? Remember they got in lines, perfect lines, directly behind each other. And what was in front of those lines? You remember shields. He that's right, huge shields. And they would align themselves perfectly behind those shields. That's hupotasso, proper military alignment. Got the visual? Everybody understand? Paul teaches you and I how to fight Satan, the enemy who hates you and wants to destroy you. He teaches us in Romans 8, 
Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6. It's hupotasso, to align yourself properly behind the shield of Christ. We good? Okay. All right, so I need, I need volunteers. Lonnie, get up here. Come here. Do you, do you, mind, do you come on, come on, come on. Come on. You can come too, yeah? It's fine too. All right, here we go. Right here. I'm a visual guy, all right? Come here, Lonnie. You look, man, that's, all right, that's much a man here. You may hit me. All right, come here, Hoss, come here. Okay, stand right here. Stand in order. Lonnie, get your hands out of your pocket. Wait, come, come here, right here, right there. Right there. All right, right here, right here. Okay, okay. Lon, what's your name? Okay. Lonnie, I hate, somebody's got to be the bad guy, okay? You're going to be Satan, all right? I'm sorry. This is the bad guy. This is enemy. This is going to be even more of a stretch. You're going to be Jesus, okay, for just a second. This is Christ, Christ, and you're every man in here. And behind you is your wife and your children, okay? So we got a visual. Everybody understand. Everybody understand. Everybody understand that Satan wants to destroy you. And he can't touch you if you align yourself perfectly in the will of Jesus Christ, can he? He can't. See, because Jesus Christ has already fought the battle for you and me, hasn't he? And, and, and he wants to protect you, and he's begging to protect you. But he is constantly roaming and searching for those people that are willing to step out of alignment with Jesus, Jesus Christ. And he what? Do they have a chance against him? Absolutely not. And so Satan is constantly on the roam. He hates you. And what's even amazing, we don't realize this, but he hates your family. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy, distract, and disrupt you so that you're not the leader, the architect of your family because you realize, and I realize, that how my family goes, it's on me, isn't it? I have nobody to blame. I don't blame my wife. I don't blame my children. I don't blame anybody. It's on me. Good or bad is a direct result of whose leadership? Mine. And every man in here, men, you understand that. It's on us. And he hates us. And to think that you and I wouldn't spend time in the word of God, to think that you and I wouldn't surround ourselves with other men that would lift us up and hold us up in the name of Jesus, that we would grow in Christ, to think that we would choose to do something else when, when in fact, and that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to fall in love with. I love to hunt. Nobody loves it more than me. But he wants me to fall in love with it. He wants it to become a top priority in my life. Instead of, and I said, why? Well, and we have all these excuses. Because why? Because eventually he's going to erode and he's going to pull you out behind the will of God. Hupo tasso. It means to align yourself perfectly behind the shield of Jesus Christ. To live in the will of God. What does that look like? For just a second, I think the best example of what the will of God looks like, if you'll just bear with me, a Dr. Tom Eliff, tremendous study. He was a professor at, at uh, Dallas Theological, and he did a 10-year a, a study. Listen to this. 10-year study of 39,000 married couples. You got it? 39,000 married couples. He studied those 39,000 for 10 years. There was one divorce in all of the 39,000 married couples. When, and listen to this, when the husband and wife purposely, intentionally prayed together daily. I had a dear friend ask me, he said, Rich, do you pray with Sherry? I said, well, we, this was probably 15, 18 years ago. 
And I, and I said, well, we pray at supper or breakfast or, you know, whatever. No, no, he said, I'm not talking about it. He said, no, I'm talking about do you intentionally, purposely pray over your wife daily? And does she pray over her husband daily? Do you pray together? Maybe she prays, maybe you pray, but maybe both of you pray for your children, you know, and on. And I said, no. And he challenged me like I'm challenging you. And I thought it was awkward. And I, I, I finally, after a week or so, I got the nerve up to say to Sherry, I think we need to start praying together. And she was going like, man, heck yeah, where have you been? And guys, we haven't stopped. And can I tell you the greatest, it's hard for Satan to get in between you and your wife when you have laid your hands and she has prayed over her husband. It's hard for Satan to find an inroad when you pray with your wife daily. Men, I'm challenging you today. I don't care how old you are. If you haven't prayed and don't pray with your wife intentionally daily, I'm begging you to. Because that's a direct inroad for the enemy into your family. And when you start praying over your children and your grandchildren and the people in your life that God's put on your heart, man, you can't be stopped when you're praying with your wife. One, when you pray with your wife. Second, when you study the Word of God. Do you have a quiet time? Maybe you have your own quiet time. Maybe your wife has her own quiet time. Maybe you have a devotion together, but do you study the Word of God daily? Real quick, I used to sleep in 30 more minutes. Are you kidding? Yeah. And then someone pointed out to me that Jesus Christ is waiting for me downstairs in my den. He's, Rich will be here in a minute. The, the God of creation is waiting for me. The one that died on the cross for my sin is waiting for me. And I'm going to choose to sleep in a bed for 30 more minutes? Are you kidding me? And somebody loved me enough to get in my face and challenge me. And listen, it's a gr- study God's word. Get up, get up, and meet with him in prayer and scripture and watch yourself grow. Third, attend corporate worship. When the husband and wife pray together, when the husband and wife Study God's word when the husband and wife come to corporate worship and, and serve in church. Like that lady needs three teachers. Come on, man. And, and, and if, if all you can do is park cars, park them, man. But, so that if you're not here, you're missed. Teach Sunday school. Take care of the nurse. But be missed if you're not there. Be accountable, right? Those three things, 39,000 couples over 10 years, one divorce. It's a pretty good statistic, isn't it, of what the will of God looks like. But what happens? What happens is you and I both know that Satan never stops. You don't get to a certain age. I kind of hoped that I'd get to 60 and it'd be like I get a, you know, free pass. I think it gets worse. And all of a sudden maybe there's some things on TV that, or some friends or porn or, or alcohol or whatever it is. Or even it's the things we talked about a minute ago that the, the, the pleasures of life become priority in our life. Maybe it's not the big noticeable things but it's the little things and all of a sudden takes you out of the will of God and exposes you a little bit more and exposes you and guess who goes with you your family your wife your beautiful children and because you and I didn't do our job do you have a prayer get you're right in alignment with Satan do you have a chance no and so you're destroyed just and then all of a sudden you leave who standing there my wife because I didn't do my job, I leave my wife exposed. That's why there's empty households. That's why 40% of every home doesn't have a dad in it today. Because men aren't doing their job. And then we say we love our children, but does our wife have a chance against the enemy? Does she have a prayer? No. Uh-uh. So we leave who exposed to Satan? Our children. How can you love your child? 
Get in alignment. What's it called? Awesome. What's it called, people? Tell somebody at work tomorrow. Tell your neighbor. Say, you had this old bald-headed fat man come to your church yesterday, and he told us this story about hupotas on it's a proper military alignment. Guys, get in alignment. It, men, if you're not praying with your wives, start. If you're not in the Scripture, I'm begging you to start in the Scripture. Read the book of John. Go just dive into it. And get plugged into church. Be one of those three to help that lady. Thank you, man. Thank you. You're not Satan anymore, all right? And you're not Jesus either, all right? Okay, all right. Brother, thank you. All right, all right. Give them a hand, will you? They did a good job. I'm going to... So I know I was invited here because I played football a long time ago. And, and, I, and I appreciate that. And... And I, appreciate, I told the pastor, thank you for letting me stand in his pulpit because what an honor. And it's not something I take lightly. And thank you. But I want to tell you my testimony if I could, and I'm going to sit down. It's, it's real short. It was my fourth year at Green Bay. And, and I honestly thought that if I could win championships and if I could uh, national championships out here, and if I could uh, be the MVP of the Green Bay Packers, and if I could be the defensive player of the year, if I could be NFL man of the year for Green Bay, I thought if I could do all that, that my life would be fulfilled. And, and oddly enough, I was. I, we won championships out here. I have championship rings to prove it. And, and uh, I was the MVP of the Green Bay Packers in 1979, and I, I was NFL Man of the Year, and I was the defense, and I was, oh, I thought if I could achieve those awards, guys, if I could win the championship, if I could be the best, I thought that, 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 that I would be fulfilled. I mean, listen, if you were to look at my life when I was uh, my fourth year in the league, married to my college sweetheart, we're still married 38 years later, and, and, and I, you would look at my life, starting middle linebacker for Green Bay. Are you kidding me? I had, I had it. But can I honestly tell you that after you achieve those awards, after about a week of that trophy on the shelf, it, it beca- and I came to a place in my life where I said, there's got to be more than this, man. There's got to be. And, and I was going to find it. And a lot of people searched for it. And I was going to find it in drugs. I was going to find it in alcohol. I was going to find it in uh, adultery. I was going to find it. I was going to find it. I was going to, I promise you. God stationed a man in my life named John Anderson. He was an outside linebacker from Michigan. And Andy was a Christian. He was awesome. He was a follower of Christ. He lived it. And he was cool. He was a great guy. And he was my roommate for seven years at Green Bay when we traveled on the road. And he would always invite me to chapel. And, and that's what, brother, he would always invite me to chapel service, and he never gave up on me, man. And, and if you guys, if you're mentoring or if you're, God's put a man on your heart or ladies, if they put a, a woman on your heart, don't ever give up on them because I was that guy that you should have given up on a long time ago. We're playing the New York Jets in New York on a Sunday. We get in on Saturday night. Andy goes, Rich, come to chapel with me. We got a famous New York Yankee baseball player, Hall of Famer, 
going to give his testimony. I thought baseball, you know, and uh, so I went. I don't remember anything he said, honestly, and I don't remember his name, but that's okay. I remember this one thing, and it changed my life, and I want to share it with you if I could. He said that I envisioned Judgment Day being like this. He goes, it's, it's my turn, and there's a long line behind me, and I step through a turnstile, and, and God is on this huge throne. He said, I can't even look. He said that Jesus is seated here to his right, and he said that Satan is seated here to his left, and he said, it's Judgment Day. This is it. And he said, before anything or anyone says anything, this huge semi-truck backs up. Beep, beep. And he said, Satan stands up. And I'm thinking, where is this, where is this guy going? He said, and he stands up and he opens the tractor trailer doors and it's packed full of computer printout paper. It's all connected. Smallest prints you could possibly. He said, Satan stands up and he starts reading. And he goes, I'm standing there. And he goes, after a period of a few short minutes, I realized that he's reading every single sin that I've ever committed in my entire life in front of Almighty God, in front of Jesus Christ who gave his life for me, his perfect life for me. He's reading these filthy, these filthy uh, sins of my, my mind, the sins of my hands, the sins of my tongue, my, the sins of my anger, my resentment, my, you, the sins of, of my pathetic eyes. He goes, the filthiest, nastiest, grossest. And he's reading them in front of God. And he goes, man, this is the worst. He said, I can't even explain it to you. He's got my attention. And he said, finally, God, the perfect God, couldn't take it any longer. And he interrupted Satan, and he looked right at him, and he said, what about it? And he said, before he could speak, he said that Jesus stood up, put his hand to the Father. He said, Father, it's okay. He's with me. And I remember sitting there in that New York hotel meeting room thinking, Jesus Christ would never stand up. I was raised in a church. My dad was a deacon. My mom sang in the choir. I walked the aisle when I was 12 years old. I was baptized when I was 12. Oh, listen, I checked the boxes. But listen, the Bible says the evidence of your salvation, the evidence of your salvation is what it's by the fruit that you bear. And I was bearing no fruit, guys. My God was me. My God was football. Football's a great game, but it's a lousy God. All right? I remember sitting there thinking, I just want to get out of here. I just want to get out of here. Because I knew I was a fake. I knew I was a liar. I was a joke. I mean, I wasn't a bad person, just that I was good for nothing. I was empty. And for three weeks, I ran from God. I ran. And guys, I found myself, of all places, in an empty Green Bay locker room. How ironic is that? Every practice was gone. I was losing my love for the game. I was the starting middle linebacker, for crying out loud. And God had taken the love of something that I loved so much, he took it away from me. And I knew exactly what was happening. I remember sitting in that locker room, that empty locker room, and I got on my face on a metal chair and begged Jesus Christ to come into my life. And I know he lives, people. 
because he changed a filthy-minded, filthy-mouthed human being, me, radically. I tell you that story because if you don't know Jesus Christ, if Jesus wouldn't stand up for you like he wouldn't for me, you can do something about it today. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and pray, and Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come and lead us. And, but I just want to pray with you if I could. Father God, if there's someone here, Father, that doesn't know you, and they know they don't know you, Father, I, I just pray that they not worry about who's sitting next to them. They not worry about these distractions, these things that are earthly, Father. I, I hope that just that they would hunger for you so bad, Father, that they desperately need you, that they realize they're empty inside. Father, I pray that today would be that day that they would just surrender their life to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit, and I pray for the Christian people that are in this room, I pray that they be praying now that the Holy Spirit be free to move in this room and touch people's hearts, please, for you. And I ask this in Jesus. It's in his name we pray this.